0: Well, good morning. We start a new series today called? Ah, you're like, can we just listen to the song and let the little guy go out the back door so we can have some fun? You guys ready for that? Hey, so we're excited about uh, the new series. I think it's going to be a great series. Uh, Inside your program, you'll find an outline to follow along with the passages of scripture we'll be talking about. And there's a couple fill in the blanks and that stuff. So you can kind of plot along with me as we go through. We're going to jump right in today at the very top of your outline, and we're going to read number one, and here's what it says. Often we enter into a dangerous place, and we know it, and there's cones and fences and signs. And I remember as a kid, uh, we would go to Yosemite quite a bit, and we would go up onto Glacier Point, and at that time, back in the Stone Age, uh, there was just a little tiny uh, fence that held it back. It was literally like a bar going across, and I always remember my mom saying, now you boys don't horse around, Right? And which always made me think, why do the horses get blamed for all everyone messing around? So anyway, that's a different message. So anyway, I can remember that, and I remember my mom saying, this is dangerous. you got to be careful, right? And then you'd stand on the edge, and you'd look over... And it was like way deep, right? And you're like, yeah, I think I'll just step back here because my brother's liable to give me a little bit of a push whoosh, right out the door. So you kind of look back. So when you're in a dangerous place and there's signs and there's different things that you recognize, then you just kind of go, okay, I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to step back. I'm going to play by the rules. I'm going to read the sign. It says slippery when wet. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to walk out, be very careful in, in my walking, right? And by the way, you guys like the set? So Pastor Eric and Mark Young and their creativity did that. So they did an excellent job. All right. Yeah, you give them a hand. Number two in your outline is this. Things are really dangerous when we don't know. Okay. when we don't know or we don't acknowledge that we're in a danger zone. And that's where we find ourselves in big trouble. Right. And over the next uh, several weeks, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about areas of our life where we, oftentimes we struggle. Today's kind of the foundation of the series, but often where we struggle, and we're in areas of our life, and we don't see the danger, and we don't recognize it. Maybe, you know, we're blind to it. Maybe we don't want to acknowledge it, and, and as a result of that, it causes all kinds of problems relationally and everything else in our life when we don't recognize the danger. It's kind of like when you're kids, and that's why my mom would say, you know, boys don't horse around, because my mom recognized the danger of being way up on the mountain. As kids, we didn't recognize the danger, and so she would have to warn us, be cautious, be very careful. In your outline, is the is the definition of, of self uh, self deception, and it is. And I want you to to recognize this. It is a process. All right? When we talk about being deceived and we talk about self-deception in our life, it is a process in which we begin to rationalize. There's evidence, there's information, there's truth, there's all these things that are coming at us. But in the process, we begin to justify, we begin to rationalize, we begin to kind of excuse the danger in which we're in, and we don't see it. Uh, As as what it is and it goes on and it says self-deception involves convincing ourselves There's a time in our process as we walk through life where we literally were convinced that we're right That everybody else is wrong and all the people that said be careful, you know That's a long way off. If you continue to do this, you're going to ruin your marriage. We we just said, you know what? I don't believe it because we have convinced ourselves That we're right and we're going to see that Today, so let's have a little fun. You ready? You guys in a good mood? All right. So let, let's have a little fun for the three of you that are happy to be here. The rest of you are here just to make me feel good. So God bless you. That's great. So so let's have a little test. How many of you know people who are who are self-deceived? No no no. Don't raise your hand yet. They think they're really good at something, right? They think they're really good, and they talk about how great they are and all, and you sit back and you kind of go, hmm, uh, not so much right that like just kind of raise your hand because it 's okay, and we won 't call on you or anything. Come on, raise your hand, you know people who are self deceived all right all right how about this how about do you know people that perhaps you 've warned you know you said hey you got to be careful, man you can 't keep doing you know things aren't going to work out right and and they're maybe they're involved in habits or hang-ups or stuff that, that's kind of destructive, and, and you've kind of warned them about it, but but they, they just don't want, to, they don't want to pay any attention. Just kind of raise your hand. We don't have to name who they are, all right? Now let, now, let me ask you this question, all right? How many of you would agree that when you look in the mirror, you're self-deceived? Okay, a couple of you, right? See, here, here, here's, what, here's what we all know it's easy to see it in someone else right it's hard to see it in us we got the blinders on we don't see it right and, and someone'll say hey you know and you're like yeah i'm telling you man that guy's all jacked up but but for me you know i don't say i walk on water but when i take a shower i don't get wet okay i mean that's just kind of where i'm at in my life you know and, and But to see it in ourselves, we, we, just, we just really struggle with it. When we talk about being deceived today, we're, we're not talking about little things. okay? Because all of us, there are certain things that all of us are, are deceived by. So, for instance, I mean, here's one that really doesn't matter. If you are deceived to think that the 49ers are better than the Raiders, <laughs> it's not a big deal. You'll walk around with a red jersey on and people will look at you and go, sorry right but 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 it's not going to harm you right it's not going to cause any problems right if if you're if you're deceived to believe that yogurt is better than ice cream all right that that you eat things that grow on a dish in a scientific room right if you think that that's okay that, that's all right. At the end of the day, you know, when, when I go by the yogurt shop and you're waiting for your little yogurt and I'm going to Cold Stone, hey, I'm not going to have any heartache to you. you. You'll be okay. Jesus still loves you, and I'll pray that he'll free you, that he'll break the bondage of yogurt in your life, and you'll be set free to be an ice cream eater like me. But, 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 but at the end of the day, it, it's, not, it's not a very big deal. And so there are areas in our life where if we're deceived, it, it doesn't really affect us. What I want to talk about over the next several weeks is the areas in our life where it does, where where it has the potential of really creating lots of problems in our life. And so if you will, let's take a look. Look with me in your outline, and here's a bumper sticker for you to put on your car. Those who don't know, don't know, they don't know. Right? You know people like that? Yeah, you commute with them every day, right, on Highway 4 and through Vasco. For those who don't know, they don't know that they don't know. And it's difficult to talk to people who don't know. Would you agree with that? Would you agree with that? All right, three truths about self-deception. Here we go. Number one, the longer that you live in the danger zone of self-deception, the more difficult it becomes for you to see the danger. Okay? Remember the definition. The definition says that it is a process. Okay, that it is a process. There was a time in your life when you walked into it, when you walked into that dangerous zone, and you walked in and you go, you know, I probably shouldn't be here. I probably shouldn't be doing it. I probably shouldn't try it. I know my friend says, hey, what big deal? It's just one hit. It's not going to be a big deal. And and I tried it, but there was something in me that just kind of said, you know, Dan, you ought to back away a little bit. It probably isn't a big deal. And the longer that we're in there, the less likely we are to see the danger. We begin to rationalize. We begin to justify. We, we begin to push away the truth. In fact, we may even say, hey, don't confuse me with the facts. My mind is already made up. I've already decided that it's okay to do because, you know, whatever it is, and we've accepted it in our life. Look with me if you have your Bible, Psalms 37, and we're going to be in verse 1 through 3 today. Here's what... The psalmist writes, this is David writing, he says, an oracle within my heart uh, concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. Verse uh, one goes on, he says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Okay, so let's just kind of back up a little bit. It's kind of a weird way there's an oracle, it's like, I thought that was a computer company, right? I didn't know it was in the Bible. So whenever the scripture talks about an oracle, typically it's, it's affirmation or authority of the Lord. The Lord is speaking, and so there would be an oracle of the Lord. The Lord is speaking. In this case, it's not the Lord. In fact, in this case, it's the sin that is speaking deep from in the heart of a person who is deceived, okay? In Psalms 10, it is another one where the sin is speaking on behalf of the sinner. And there's an oracle coming from this. But in this case, it's it's the authority of the heart that has been deceived. The heart that is convinced. And we'll look at that today. And verse 2 goes on and he says, for in, his, uh, for in his own eyes he flatters himself. Circle that word flatter. Okay, that, that, that word flatter means smooth. It means to separate. It means to divide. It means to separate yourself. In other words, here's the idea. It's the idea that you can be in a dangerous place. In this case he's talking about the wicked. Okay, the wickedness or the sinfulness of a person. You could be in a dangerous place, but you have flattered yourself. You have so convinced yourself that even though you're in the midst of it, you have separated yourself to believe that you're not in the midst of it. You are convinced that even though I'm next to the dynamite, it's not going to affect me. Because in my mind, I've literally rationalized that I'm not even next to it. Okay, and, and so when he talks about flattering himself, he has literally separated himself from where he literally is. It's like a false reality that's taking, taking place. And it goes on and he says, he has flattered himself too much to detect or to hate the sin. So here he is in the dangerous situation, in a dangerous place, and he can't even recognize it. He can't even see it. It's not even on his radar. And when somebody comes in and says, hey man, you know, you're standing in a dangerous place. Oh, come on, man. It's not dangerous. I mean, I know, and you could tell me stories, and I heard on the news, and I know, I, you know my brother was, and my dad, but you know, not me, Be- because I have flattered myself. I have separated myself from the reality of where I'm literally standing, that I have justified in my mind I have these blinders on where I don't even see what's going on and I'm in the midst of a a dangerous situation and we have this ability in our life to do that where we can put on these blinders and not see and he goes on in verse three he says and the words of his mouth are wicked and deceitful he has ceased to be wise to do good again it's not a big deal if it's 49ers or Raiders yogurt or ice cream Right, I mean it's it's not it's not even a big deal. And you watch like American Idol. Now here's the little glimpse into Pastor Dan's heart. I like the first couple of weeks because they show all the people who bomb. Come on, anybody else? Oh, God bless you, you sinners. Welcome to church. For those of you who didn't raise your hand, we'll pray for you. Right. But 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 when you, when I first started watching it, you know my wife likes it, so I want to do the husband thing right sit next to her and go oh honey this is great okay so anyway you know what I'm, she's in the preschool if any of you rap me out you're done okay that's the way it is all right so so anyway you watch it and the guy gets up there a lady gets up there and they sing and it's like hi yeah yeah it sounds like me that's why i stay in the in the sound booth in the back because i don't want to interfere with any of you worshiping Right, you don't want to turn around and go, yep, someone died back there, right? So, so you wonder how is it that someone can be so convinced? And and what's interesting is they leave, you know, and they're chasing them down with the microphone. What's that guy named uh, Seacrest, right? Hey, what's going on? Oh, I'm the next American Idol, and you're like, oh, are you kidding me? And then and then is what's interesting. Then you'll get like a parent in there, and they're like, yeah, I'm surprised she didn't get in, and it's like. Are you kidding me? Is it possible for the whole family to be tone deaf? I mean, is that even possible? Do all, are all of you tone deaf, right? Now, if you deceive yourself, and it's kind of sad, and I know, pray for me because my heart's not right, but it's sad when people flop like that, okay? I get it. But it's not life or death, for the most part. But when there are areas of our life where we have deceived ourselves, and it is life or death, where it is whether the relationship's going to explode or not, and we have so deceived ourselves that, that somehow that it's going to be okay, where, where someone comes to us and says, you know, man, you got like this big chip on your shoulder, man. Like You walk through life and you're angry all the time. You think everyone's against you and everyone's out to get you, and your, your, your heart is filled with bitterness, which is what we're going to look at t- uh, next week. And bitterness, what's interesting about bitterness, bitterness is a legitimate hurt or pain that you have not dealt with scripturally. In fact, a person who's bitter has justified in their mind that they have every right to be angry. And the reality is their pain is is legitimate. And, And yet, if you know somebody who's been bitter, it's like you don't even want to be near them. Right? You don't want to be around them. And then they wonder, well, how come everyone's abandoned me? It's like, you got like Mount Rushmore on your shoulder, dude. I mean, you need to just like take a deep breath and let God remove that bitterness in your heart. But you're blind to it. And if you keep walking through life with that bitterness, it will affect your marriage. It will affect your next marriage. It will affect the next marriage. It will affect the next marriage. It will affect your kids your kids by the first wife, the second wife, the third wife, your grandkids, it will affect the people in your work, it will affect the people around you, it will affect you. And when you're deceived to believe that it's legitimate and it's okay, it isn't, right? And so if it's ice cream, raiders, warriors, you know, whatever, it's like who cares about that stuff? But when it's areas that really affect our life, we've got to pay attention. We can't just blindly go in there and think that we're not in a danger zone. Number two, the longer that we live in a danger zone of self-deception, the more that we believe that it will not harm us. Okay, Remember, this is a process. This is a process we go into it we live in it we look around and we go hey it's been a month it's been a week it's been a year it's been two years it's been three years I've been living in this I haven't I haven't experienced the effect of it and so therefore it must be fine. And someone comes into your life and says, listen man, if you don't make the adjustments, if you don't make the changes, if you just keep going through and you're blind to the deceptions that you have in your life, it's going to ruin your life, it's going to ruin your relationship, it's going to ruin your marriage, it's going to ruin your professional career. It's like, oh no, it's not. I've been doing this for so long, it's not a big deal. And I want to say to them, you have lived trouble-free now, but there will be a day where it will reveal itself. And when the wheels fall off the wagon, everyone panics, don't we? So the goal is to get it before the wheels fall off the wagon. Right? Not, not the call, hey, Pastor Dan, I got to meet now. It's like, hey, how about let's make the changes today? And we won't have to meet now. Right? But, but we somehow believe that somehow we're just going to be able to go through and it's not going to really affect us. Moses writes in Deuteronomy, and let me just kind of set this up real quick. It is a warning of judgment. <clears throat> the Israelites um, were enslaved. They're wandering in, into the wilderness. They have watched idolatry from the other nations. They have watched idolatry, which is, in, in essence, it's just people turning away from God. Okay? And Moses warns them that if they turn their heart from God, good things won't happen. In fact, he says to them, "If your heart is right with God, when you see idolatry, when you see people who are turning away, there'll be something in you that will recognize it, and that you'll heed the warning." And look what he says in Deuteronomy chapter twenty-nine, verse eighteen. He says, "Make sure that no man or woman, clan or tribe among you today, whose heart turns away from the Lord our God, to go to worship, or to go and to worship the gods, little g's." uh, of those nations make sure that there is no root among you that produces such bitter poison verse 19 when such a person hears the words of this oath he makes uh, he invokes a blessing on himself and therefore he thinks let's just pause right there so here it is it's the person who's deceived who thinks that what they're doing is okay they don't see the danger They don't heed the warning. They think that they're just going to keep going through and there's not going to be any harm. That somehow they'll conceal it from God, they'll conceal it from the other folks around them, that somehow we could just kind of fly underneath the radar and live that way, live in the danger zone and not get the kickback or the pushback in which uh, we would get. And he he says, he invokes a blessing on himself and therefore he thinks, I will be safe. Even though I persist in going my own way. Making my own choices. Doing my own thing. Being deceived by the truth. Even though though I just continue to push forward. I have this idea in my mind. I'm not going to get harmed. I'm off scot-free. Besides, I've been doing this for 5 years, 10 years, 15 years. I haven't got caught. It's all good. Look what he says. This will bring disaster On the watered lands as well as the dry lands. In other words, none of us are free of the consequences of our poor choices. You may have gotten away with it for a time. You may have have skated through and not been caught. But it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. It hasn't happened yet. But there will be a day where you will experience that. And that's the scary thing about deceiving ourselves. We don't see it. It's this process. We rationalize it. We justify it. And then when someone comes to us and they say, hey, you know what, man? I know you say you're a social drinker. I mean, I get it. But it's seven days a week. It's like Bevmo. you got the whole cart filled with booze. It's not like a six-pack. It's like every day. I know, man, but... You know, it relaxes me and it helps me sleep at night. And I'm not, you know, and then I, uh, right? And, and we push back. and we, It's not going to harm you. And then your buddy says, you know, man, if you keep doing that, I, I just don't see how you're going to work the job. I don't know how your marriage is going to stick together. I don't know how your kids are going to be able to handle that. And, you know, push back, push back, push back. No, no, no. I, you know, I've been doing this. This is the way I do it. I mean, I, you know, get up in the morning at four in the morning. I'm off to work. I hit it hard for eight hours a day. It has, it's not affecting me. And I want to say, yet, yet, because there will be a day. There will be a day where it will. And that's the scary thing about a person who is self-deceived. They have processed it in their mind to really deny a reality of where they're at. They're right in the middle of a dangerous place. And in their minds, they have separated themselves from it. And they don't see it. And when someone comes in to speak into their life, man, it's a big pushback. They don't want to hear it. You're just controlling. You're overbearing. You're, you, know, you're, you just don't want to have fun. You need to you know, lighten up, Pastor Dan. You need to live on the edge. Well, I did. <laughs> and I know the edge has a long way down. Right? It's not, it's not a fun fall. It's not a fun fall. Number th- number three well, well let me go back and say this in Jeremiah seventeen, oftentimes people say, well you know i, I 'm just going to follow my heart, right? Believers will say that believers will say that you know I'm, dan i 'm just going to follow my heart well here here's your verse, Jeremiah seventeen verse nine The heart is above oh, <laughs> not some above all things, right? And is beyond, the only thing that can fix it is Jesus, right? And when we allow, and when we allow as believers, when we allow the world to determine what's dangerous, we are in a bad, bad place. And that's what Moses' warning was. You have allowed the other nations to determine who you're going to worship. And when you do that and you invite the world's value system into God's house and God's people, you have put yourself in a dangerous place. Yeah, but it won't harm me. Number three, the longer that you live in the danger zone of self-deception, the more convinced that you are right. You know anybody like that? getting quiet you know anybody like that absolutely right the more they're convinced that they're right they are absolutely convinced pharisees were like that jesus is like hey you got to have a personal relationship with god are you kidding me i dot every i and cross every t i'm a legalistic of legalistic people i'm a pharisee of pharisees i know the scripture better than all of you jesus is like yep you still don't know god though right and they and they were very righteous that they were right and how about peter peter was a follower of christ and i i, I love that in in peter uh peter's life jesus comes to him and says hey i'm going to die on the cross oh no you're not you're not going to die on a cross i'm not going to let those i got your back man me and you right we're we're together in this thing this isn't going to happen. Matthew chapter 26, verse 33, a great, great, funny verse. Peter replies, Even if all fall away on account of you, I will never. Right? I will never. I am always right, Lord. Verse 34. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. This very night before, uh, uh, before the rooster crows, you will have de- denied me three times. Verse 35, look at Peter. Peter declares, even if I have to die for you, I will never. Uh, 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 uh. Right? Oh, man, I hate that, right? It's like, don't confuse me with the facts, Dan. I am right on this. I know I've had 15 people and 27 friends and all my family come to me and said, listen, man, you got a problem, okay? You can't eat Norcos like M&Ms. It doesn't work like that, okay? It's not good for you. I know, but let me tell you to push back, push back, right? Isn't it true? And you're like, I don't want to say anything right now. Get addicted to video games. And the wife says, You know, could you pay attention to me? (laughs) I am, you know, right? Someone says, Hey, come on, man. You don't, you're like hooked on Twitter, man. You tweet in the bathroom. My mama told me, You don't tweet in the bathroom, you do something else in the bathroom, right? But you're in there tweeting. Right? You gotta gotta disconnect. I know, but I you know, I need to stay connected. I'm important. I'm the grand poo bah. I wear horns on my head and I sit in a velvet chair, right? Anyways there's a big pushback. Big pushback. See here here's my heart. Here's my heart. My my heart is I'm the guy that sits in an office over here and helps you try to figure out how to put your wheels on your wagon. I'm the one that sits down and goes, hey, man, listen, how many warnings did you get? Like 800? I don't see anything, Pastor Dan. My marriage is great, right? My finances are great. My personal career is great, right? Then the wheels fall off, and then everyone's in panic mode. what What if we woke up before? What if we re- recognized our way our our areas of error before it explodes? What if we did that? Verse 2. In his eyes he flattered himself, so filled with self, isn't it? So why is it? What why can we be so hard-headed when people warn us? Why is it that we can stand in the middle of a room filled with explosion uh, explosives and think somehow we're going to escape? Look at verse 1. Here's the reason. An oracle is within my heart concerning the sinfulness of my wickedness. And here's the problem. There is no fear of God before his eyes. Now, that fear is different. You know the, the scripture that says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? That word fear means awe. It means reverence for God. This fear is different. In fact, in your outline, I have both words, both no and fear. No means to to be nothing or to not exist, right? And then fear is different. This fear is an alarm. That there's no alarm inside of us to recognize that we're in a dangerous place. We have so flattered ourselves we have so segregated ourselves from reality that we're standing in a room and we have deceived ourselves and there's nothing in us that says, warning, 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 you're entering into danger zone. And we just stand there and we ignore the fact that there's red lights, flags, and all kinds of things going on around us and we have, just, we have convinced ourselves that there isn't. That that is just someone who's trying to control us. That is somebody who's, who doesn't know how to have fun in life. And we're standing in there, and we are convinced that it's okay. What's interesting, when you, when you look at the text here, it, it isn't the fact that, that the wicked openly, and that's deceived, the wicked openly renounces God. Their actions speak that they renounce God. See, it isn't the words, and this is where often we struggle with as followers of Christ. But Dan, I love Jesus. I mean, I come and I listen and it's great. And I say, hallelujah, thanks, Pastor Eric, what a great song. But our actions whisper that there's no fear of God. Our actions. So when it comes to addressing the area of a person being self-deceived, and this is if you have somebody in your family, it's such a struggle because they just don't see it. And you can sit down and you can say, listen, man, I'm telling you, I beg you in the name of Jesus. You can scare them. You can stand on on a couch and scream and holler and throw stuff, and they don't get it, right? Just like they're like, just take a chill pill, man. Here, have a Norco. You'll be fine, right? It'll all be good. And they don't hear it. So so as we, as we did this, I wanted to kind of attack it in two ways as we kind of come to the application part. One, if you're here today, and maybe there's just that little itty-bitty warning that went off in your heart that said, you know, maybe Pastor Dan is on to something in my life, just hear me out. And if you have somebody in your family where this applies, hear me out on the steps and give them some encouragement. So let's take a look. Three steps of living in a danger-free life. Number 1 is you got to be willing to seek God, right? You got to be willing to seek God in prayer. And this becomes the very first step in getting out of that dangerous situation. Psalms 139 verse 23, and this is ought to be a prayer for all of us. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. In other words, Lord, I, I don't know if I'm in a dangerous place or not. I've had some people say I am, and I'm making support choices and all that stuff. Lord, I'm just going to ask you. I, have, I can deceive myself. I can convince myself that this is not the reality. And I just ask you, the Spirit of God, to speak into my heart and reveal the truth to me. Just reveal the truth to me. Verse 24. See if there is any offensive ways in me. Lord, just x-ray my heart right now. And lead me in the way of everlasting. In other words, get me out of this dangerous place, this place of destruction. Lord, just reveal it to me. I want to make those changes in my life, and I want to step out of it, and I want to head in a different direction. Number two. The second principle is this. Be willing to listen to others. If you're willing to listen to God, then have enough trust in him that he is going to put people in your life who's not filled with anger and bitterness. We'll, we'll address those in a couple messages down the road, right? But, but somebody who literally loves you, who cares for you. You know, oftentimes I'll get people pushed back, especially the kids, you know, the, the students in the student ministry, they'll push back, my mom and my dad. It's like, they don't want to harm you. Your mom and dad want nothing but the best for you. It's not like they're trying to steal all your fun. They want you to succeed. They want you to do well. See, and we have to be big enough as adults to recognize that God places people in our life to speak into our life, to warn us to help us remove the blinders, to help us to understand that if we continue down this path, there is harm. Look with me in Proverbs thirteen or 15, verse 31. He who listens to a life-giving rebuke, I know that sounds kind of like, is that like a backhanded compliment, right? But I want you to recognize it's a life-giving, right? When my mom would say, hey guys, be careful, you're on, the, you know, you're on the top of a mountain. If you fall down, good things aren't gonna happen. She wasn't rebuking us. She was encouraging us to step back and play it safe, right? And there are people in our life that will, that will speak into us, that will give us a life-giving rebuke in our life. And he, and he says, he, uh, uh, he who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home among, uh, amongst the wise. Verse 32, he who ignores the discipline despises, that word means to reject. Now look what that that verse says, okay? He says, he who ignores the discipline of someone else speaking into your life rejects himself. You think that you're pushing back. The reality is you are rejecting the good that you're going to experience. You're rejecting yourself. You're pushing it back. But whoever heeds correction gains understanding. And so God places people in our life where they're going to speak into our life and we need not to push back. And I I just want to say this. This is just something that that came to me when I was doing this. If if you have two or three people in your life who love you, not bitter, grumpy people, you know, you kick them to the curb, you know, just move on, right? But people who love you, if they speak into your life and there's a similar thread or similar theme, you better pay attention. You better pay attention because it isn't by happenstance. It's like, wow, that's weird. Three people said you're bitter. I mean, you start seeing a a thread here that's similar that you got to pay attention to. And so when someone comes in and speaks into your life, you got to you got to be alert to it. They're rebuking you, but it's a life giving rebuke. It's not it's not a bad thing, but it's something that was going to help you. To counter where you're going and then the third thing is this be willing to change what and when god shows you if god reveals the what you got to change when that day D- don't give it though well i'll get around to it right I-, I mean if i've seen this once i've seen it several times in, in marriages it's like warning 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 i'm done Why are you done? What's wrong? How come we're not working on this thing? It's like, how many warnings can you hear before the guy goes or the woman goes finished? Right? So when God speaks through His Spirit in the life of other people and He reveals to you, don't keep your blinders on thinking that it's just going to go away. Problems don't fix themselves. You agree with that? right slivers don't heal themselves wounds don't heal themselves if you're not caring for them right and and so this whole idea that we're just going to put our blinders on and we're not going to pay attention you got to change the what that the lord reveals that people speak into your life and you need to do it when that day look with me in james chapter 1 verse 22 do not merely listen you know that word is that means audit how many of you have ever audited a class I audited a class in in college, right? My wife was like, why are you auditing the class? It's like, I don't want to do the homework. I want to hear the professor. I like him, but I don't want to do the work. When you audit something, you can sit in the class. You're not responsible for the homework. You're not uh, responsible for the assignments. You're not responsible if you show up, don't show up. The professor could care less. You're auditing. And James, the half-brother of Jesus, says, do not merely audit the word of God. Don't don't just kind of sit here today and kind of go, oh, that's nice. Oh, that's cool. Nice backdrop. Oh, that's cool. But listen. But listen. And he goes on and he says, and so deceive yourself, but do what it says. Do what it says. Now here's my heart as we get ready to go. I am convinced, and I am the chief sinner amongst all of you, that I can convince myself of literally anything. I, have, I am so smart. I am absolutely amazing at what I can do in my mind. I can rationalize behavior. right? I can rationalize choices that I'm making in life. I can convince myself that I've overpaid for something and still save money. You ever do that? My wife, she goes, she could do the same thing. I got it on clearance. I saved you money, right? I'm like, well, wait a minute. If you saved me money, I wouldn't have 20 less, I'd have 20 more. <laughs> That's saving money, right? You got that problem? Yeah, sure, we all do, right? And, and here's, what, here's what's scary. All of us have the potential and the capability of doing this, we all do. If it's the 49ers or Raiders, yogurt, ice cream, who cares? If it's bitterness, if it's anger, if it's hostility, if, it is, if it's addiction, it can ruin your life. It can ruin your finances. It can ruin your relationship. It can ruin your professional career. And if we just put these blinders on and just kind of deny reality, we can find ourselves in a huge mess. And so God gives us moments like this where he pulls us aside and rings our bell. Just calling in, hey, you guys doing okay? You paying attention? Is there that little bit of, hey, be careful? Or are you just going to keep steam rolling through and acting as if everything is okay? John says this in the Gospel of John. Jesus says, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Right? Jesus is the truth and he will set you free. And when you recognize him as a as, as your savior in your life, you will begin to allow his spirit to work in you and reveal to you the truth. Here's the scary part of my career weddings, divorces. Right? People shooting warning shots. Hey, don't date him. He's no good for you. Oh, but he's hot. Woo. She's cute. Woo. Right? It's like, well, get over that because that will all change later. <laughs> right Now, don't you say I said that. All right. right? And there's warnings. And this is, this is my heart. I don't know if I've ever spoke to a person whose life is just jacked up. I don't know one single time where the person said, you know, Dan, I had no warning. None. I was like blind, and I went over. Usually I said, did anybody ever say anything to you? Oh, my dad, he pulled me aside. He's like, dude, what are you doing? My mom, somebody at school, somebody at work. It's like, what are you thinking? Right? Blinders. I don't see it. Then we're all grabbing body parts. Trying to put things back together. Right? It's tough to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Here's my encouragement How about if Humpty Dumpty just stayed together? How about if we just stayed on the wall and we played it safe? We didn't enter into the destruction.